Hi, you're listening to the Colour Tour podcast. My name is Warren Eagles, colourist based in Australia. In this podcast, I'll be chatting to colourists at different locations around the world, finding out what they've been working on, what tools they're using, and what inspires them in the location where they're living. Ready to have some fun? If you look inside, you can see every possible colour. Welcome to the Colour Tour podcast and this week we are in Venice Beach, California. Now this is a wacky place, there's lots going on if you've never been here. Uh, we're on a Sunday afternoon and there's people everywhere, people on scooters, surfers, there's big trucks arriving, there's lots of crazy art, people are peddling things. It's a very interesting uh, little town. We're right on the beach, so I'm looking right at the ocean now. Um, literally, probably just about five kilometers, three miles down from Santa Monica here, and not far from LAX if, you, uh, if you've ever flown in there before. Now, the guy I'm gonna chat to, long-term colorist buddy of mine, Mr. Clark Muller, he has set up his own grading shop here at Venice Beach. He's literally 300 meters up the road. He's had an interesting background. He's worked at a lot of different places, different companies in different continents around the world, and he's a pretty successful short film colorist. So we're gonna have a walk up to his shop now, say hello, and uh, see what he's got to say. No, I, I mean, I unlocked one. And, uh, hey, Clark, it's Warren, I'm out the front. We're in. Thanks, buddy. So I'm buzzed in and I'm, I'm heading in now. Hey, Clark. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So mate, this is it. It's a nice spot. So we've got a pool table and a bar. Yep. It's double a, doors. So you open that out and then you've got a nice yeah. sitting Yeah, let area. me show you. Yeah, let me sure. show you what happens. We have two double doors here, and when the weather is nice, like now. So now we're straight out on uh, on Rose Avenue, and uh, everything's going on. And you can see the sea from here, look. You can do? Yeah. So we're two blocks away from the beach. It's beautiful. And, and I think we should walk down later. And there's a Ferrari as well. Oh, nice, lovely. <laughs> So uh, this, but so you, is this a shared space or is this all for you? Who else is in no, this? No, we share it with Rodeo Effects. They do, uh, so we do color correction. Yeah. Rodeo Effects do uh, mainly feature film and TV show visual effects. Okay. They're big. They do some big. Yeah, yeah I know them. Yeah, they yeah. do. Uh, they do work on great Game of Thrones, don't they? Game of Thrones, Black Cells. You see some of their models are here for. Yeah. That's oh, Black Cells, yeah. that's the fire oh, yes. ship on Black Cells. Yeah. That's, uh, this is an old film, Scorpion King. Yes, that's one of yeah. the practicals from yeah. Scorpion King. Um, they do a bunch of stuff, so they're very, it's very nice to work with them. You've got a machine room here, this is yours, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, we have all the computers in there. It's a bit of QC that goes on in there. We have a 4K monitor um, to check 4K when we do it. And in terms of your colour rooms, as I remember, you've got two bays exactly the same. Yeah, they're mirror image. Um, here's uh, 
here's uh, one of them, and here's the other one. Right next door. A, yeah, they're, they're side by side. So it's a mirror image, basically. And they're ex exactly the same base. So they both do everything. So Incendio is your company. You started and founded it. And yes, in uh, 2011. Sit down. So okay. the first thing I notice you've got Nucoda, which I yes. would say is a little bit unusual in commercials. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And why was that? Was that just you? You obviously tested the boxes at the time, and uh, it's obviously working for what you want to do. Yeah, the, the big thing about the new code look, the color correctors are all the same. They all do windows. They all do tracking. They all do this. They all do that. The one thing that they don't do very well is noise reduction and the tools that you have to fix things. Yeah, pixel fixing, scratch. And uh, Digital Vision do have some great tools for that. So the big thing about uh, this box is the noise reduction. Yeah. You know, and when we were looking, we realized that a lot of this digital stuff, and we're not talking about grain, we're talking about noise. A lot of the digital stuff, especially in the early days, had a lot of noise in the low end. And this was five years ago? 2011, this is right, going to be... So, uh, right. so you, that was the move as the way film was sort of right yeah. at the end of film then, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, it was right at the end of like the majority of... Film. I mean, we still do the odd uh, film job, but most of it is digital. So you've got the nice precision panels and the Dolby monitors. Yeah. And obviously being mirrored in both rooms is working really well. Now, you, who else is colouring with you? Uh, we have uh, Amy Lee, who's a... A young colorist, and we have another one, Enrico Targetti, okay. who's uh, just come out of USC, and is a really smart, smart lad. Cool. Um, you know, I'm the senior guy, and I've been senior for many, many years, <laughs> and I like it that way. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to uh, go back a little bit. Uh, Clark actually trained me in color correction many years ago. So I do have him to thank for the fact I'm probably sitting here doing this podcast. Very sweet of you. Yes, and uh, it, it could have been so different. But here we are sitting in Los Angeles, mate. That's right. Yeah, we're actually, um, so just so you know, it's Venice Beach, yep. still LA County, right. still LAPD. Yep. So we have to deal with that as well, you know, with the guns <laughs> being pulled out and so on. But, um, you know, it's actually great. I mean, it's Venice Beach. Uh, you know, I'm from Hackney in East London. And the dream was always to be on the beach yeah. in California, for me anyway, yeah. and I am. So, so you mentioned uh, about being senior. Did you, did you find it harder to just just keep getting inspired and doing jobs because you've been doing it so long? Do you struggle for inspiration sometimes? Does that... Well, I've... I've lived in various places. When I was in London, we always had influences. The, the more you get out, the more you see, the more that influences you, whether it be art or lifestyle or whatever. Mm. You know, you, you get influenced by things. Yeah. And since I've traveled, and since I've lived in other countries and worked in other countries, and I've worked in a lot of countries, I think that um, that is part of my influences. Yeah. So whenever I look at a job, you know, it's all ticking through my head. And obviously you have to apply a grade to, to go with what you're actually doing. But you know, when people mention influences, don't forget when you're with 
10 people working on a commercial, they've all yeah. got their little bit to say. So why do you think they come to Incendio? Why do they work with you? Uh, Could you put your finger on that? Or? Um, I am very... I do like to say careful. what goes. Careful. Yeah, I'm, I'm being careful. <laughs> I, I do like to have my own opinion, and if they're going to come to me, they're going to get an opinion. Yeah. They can go to a number of colourists and they'll get different opinions. But with yeah. me, I, I like it to be a certain way. Well, I think that's what most of them want. That's why yeah. they're here. Yeah, exactly. So I don't tend to you know, sugarcoat it. I say I try and give the best job I possibly can yeah. within the time yeah. limit that I have. Obviously, some clients uh, have been living with it for months. They, they walk in and expect something in five minutes. So I like to see boards. I like to see you know uh, pallets. I like to see... Whatever they've been working with yes. for the first, uh, you know, uh, moments of the session. And hopefully within the, that half an hour, we go through it all and then say, all right, let's do this. You know? yeah. So that's what I like to see. Now, in terms of, so you use mainly commercials and I know you do some music videos. And are you finding that you are conforming most jobs from the original camera footage, whether it be R3D, ARRI, RAW, whatever RAW, or you get in the baked with VFX or baked in? Uh, it, it varies. Most of the time it's from RAW. Um, sometimes, like with speed changes, you know, sometimes we ask them for a conform of the flat image. So yes. they'll, they'll take all the RAW stuff. I did a, a video the other day and there were so many effects in it. I said, look, if you want to get this done, done quickly, let's just have a conform of everything. So you generate the conform, give it to me as a ProRes, whatever size you want to give it to me. Yes. And I'll colour it, you yeah. know, because the speed changes, the visual effects. Yeah. So that's a time crunch, really, because yeah. like, if they've got the time to do it and take it away and do it, that's great. But sometimes it does come in ProRes form. And just to clarify, you just colour here, aren't you? You haven't got offline facilities, you haven't got visual effects facilities, you're just well, really a colour house. Well, we are a colour house and that's what we're good at, but, but we do have, we do do conforms, right. which is pretty straightforward. We normally do it on, um, you know, we, now we have digital vision encoder, yeah. but we do have Resolve, yeah. we have a couple of Resolves, we do have Nuke, we do have um, uh, some graphics tools to cut mats. Yes. You know, like Mocha's going to be, uh, that's going to come in with the Resolve, sorry, in with the uh, new coder. I think Resolve does something as well. Yeah. So we like to have a lot of tools, so at least if one doesn't work, the other one works. Yeah, no, And that's true. what I like. And I'll have all the colour correctors in here if I could. You know, I'm waiting for a colourist to come up and say we need a base light, so then I'll, I'll buy one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do like the base light, but again, oh, yeah. you need the tools. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, totally, yeah, that's good. So let's wind back a little bit. Um, you got started back in London. You said you, uh, you grew up in London, same as me. How did you get started in colour correction? All right, so um, basically I got married. I needed a job close to home. I wanted to do something in television. Originally I wanted to be a DP, so I was a, a audio-visual technician at King's College in London. So. I was working there, I needed to get a job closer to home. So I saw this job as a trainee telecine assistant in the newspaper. I can't remember which newspaper, it was like a local newspaper. So I basically interviewed for the job. I was 22 at the time and I got it. So that's where it started. I was a, it, was, it was called a telecine operator. 
So I was a trainee tennis elite operator, and that's why I, how I started. At Universal Film Labs, which is not the big Universal, it was a small film lab. And that was more long form though, wasn't it? That wasn't commercials, was it? Oh, no, 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 yeah, that was more industrial, mainly. Uh, there was the odd, we did the odd uh, trailers, movie trailers, right. or at the time, CBS Fox. So we did like, you know, it was a home video market. So we did the trainers for the home video market. And it was uh, Ranks Intel Telecines. Uh, my machine didn't even have a uh, programmer. So in those days, Topsy, I think it was called. Yes. Yeah, Topsy. It was a Topsy. Many, many years ago. So from there, you sort of just zigzagged and worked your way up. And, and when you worked with me, it was working more on commercials. Yeah, music videos, yeah. music videos, commercials, uh, some Docker concerts, long form concerts. Oh, yeah, everything. concerts. Oh, yeah, I love those. Yeah, I still and, like them. Again, everything was filmed then. Yeah. And in Europe, there's a lot of 16 mil as well, yeah. uh, 35 mil more for commercials. Yeah. And tell me a bit about Complete, because there and Complete in those days, Complete were probably one of the biggest yeah, in top, London, yeah. one of the top. It was a commercial houses, and I know it was a good place whenever I went in there to see you there. Yeah. You enjoyed that time in London? Yeah, it was great. That was the golden days of film. We had, um, we started with one telecine. That, that I, you know, I took over from one of the, the bigger telecine guys. You know, I was freelancers. I went from Universal, then I went to Virgin Television, then I moved in, back into London. I wanted to get back into London. And... Universal was really, I was doing just the same thing. So from there, I moved into London that, to Virgin Television, I believe. And then and basically went from, no, sorry, I went to TSI Video. And then I got into like the commercial music video. I did my first music video at uh, um, TSI Video many, many years ago. And the machine didn't even have a Zoom, so we were doing all sorts of things. But in those days, it was a very technical job as well. Um, well, and then jump into Complete, yeah. which was a few years later, probably four years later, five years later, after I was freelance, yeah. after Visions. Yes. I was freelance for a little while, which was good. And then I went to Complete. They offered me a job. They approached me to work there. So if it was a technical job, why were you doing it then? Well, there you go. <laughs> well, I, I didn't tell everyone, but I was actually a trained engineer. I didn't tell everyone. No. I actually got qualifications in it. And uh, I was pretty technical anyway. And, uh, you know, and I learned from engineers. So yeah. I learned from ex-rank guys. The first guys at TSI Video, they were rank engineers. People like David Ellis? No, before that. Before Dave? Before Dave, Dave Lode, right, Jerry yes. Vickers. Jerry, Jerry yeah. Vickers. They were both ex-ranks and tell yeah. people. So they taught I, me the technical. I think, I think you've got to have... The balance of both. I mean, you've yeah. talked about both. You talked about being here. You've got to be a good client person. You've yeah. got to be a good creative person. And, yeah. you know, they come into your room like this. It's a beautiful room. And they want to enjoy their time in here yeah. as well. But you've still got to back it up with knowing your gear, your software, and what you're working with as well. It's an all-round package, isn't well, it? Well, yeah. And also, they ask you technical questions as well. They want to ask. You know, they ask about formats. They say, oh, what about this? What about that? And you've got to have some sort of knowledge. You, you can't just say, oh, I don't know. Let me ask someone. I mean, obviously, there's questions you can't answer. Yes. You know, but I tend to, you know, I've been doing it a long time. And, you know, you sort of tend to educate yourself as well as, you know, just finding out from people when you don't know something. 
Yeah, I so, yeah. think so. Yeah, you've got to know. So one thing about you is you've moved a bit and you've been successful in four continents. So not yeah, just I think so, Europe, yeah. Asia, because you were yeah. out there yeah. for a while. Yeah. South America, North yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. What are, yeah. The, what are the different... Can you... Was it quite different grading a, a big ad in those different territories? Can you, what can you put your finger on, is it? Um, yeah, they all have different ways of doing things. One of the biggest differences is the actual cultural differences on what people will accept as a comment from a colorist. Like for instance, in, you know, like in Europe, they, they like you to have your opinion. The big boss says, oh yeah, but we want it this way. And I'll be like, all right, okay, I'll do it that way. But I think this way is better. In, like, in Europe, right? In Hong Kong, say, they were always about being quick, doing it quick when I was there, being quick, doing it quick, and really didn't want to lose face. So like, if you said something, they wouldn't like it. And that's what I noticed about Hong Kong. In Brazil, which, was my, which I was there before Hong Kong, they loved everything I was doing because I had an opinion, I showed them stuff. They loved that because, you know, at the time in Brazil, it wasn't really open to uh, lots of colorists. I was invited out there. You know, so again, I was invited to Hong Kong and it was a different role, slightly different role. I was in charge of the, of the whole lot for the company. And then moving here, I stepped back a bit to my roots. I moved, Which was about 20 years ago, wasn't it? Like 22 years ago. 22 yeah, I moved years ago. to. After I finished up with Hong Kong, I thought, you know, where do I want to work? And, um, and in those days, as a colorist, you could pick any country you wanted to. Okay. Yeah. That was great. You could just say, all right, I want to live there. Let's see how I can get there. And then I'd always know someone. Obviously, I had experience. I knew people. And if I didn't know, if I wanted to go to a country, where, if, say, if I wanted to do that, I would find someone that knew someone. Yeah. And, you know, when I was in Hong Kong, I thought, you know, let me... Let me try and live in the United States. I always worked there, freelanced and demoed here. But I liked California. I liked Los Angeles. You know, I did like San Francisco as well, but it was too cold for me. So Los Angeles was the place. And it's true, it's too cold. I've offered many jobs there, but I was like, no, Los Angeles, you know. So um, I wrote to a few people. In those days, emails were quite hard. 22 years ago, it wasn't every... So you write a letter, send you real. Yeah. So I did that, and then uh, 525 and Encore got back to me. And 525, I didn't realise, was one of the best places, you know. Yeah. It was just great. It was a bit like Visions. It was based on Visions in London, in fact, because good old Kelvin Duckett. Yes. Yeah, he, he started it here. So, uh, so, yeah, so they got back to me, and they flew me out, and they offered me a job. And it was basically running, you know, being a colourist. Just from having the senior job, just being a colorist. I got back to my roots a bit. And it took me two years to rise up and then um, kind of the rest is history. Great. You know, I showed them my skills and you know, the little skills that I had, but of, of course it was quite good. So they were happy with me. And what have you been coloring recently? I know we can't see some of it because it's a bit of a secret, so we can't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I can't talk about because it's just in the works. But I, I do a bunch of commercials. I do music videos. Um, I work with some famous artists. I still like doing music videos um, because it's very creative. Yeah. You can push it around a bit. With commercials, sometimes you have to work within certain boundaries. Like they, you know, obviously agencies 
have shown the client, who could be anyone, say it's Toyota, they've shown them something and they don't want to drift too far away from yes. what they've shown. Yeah. But I always try and push it as far as I can. So something I hear a lot, oh, you know, there's no money in music videos. There used to be, but there's no money in it. So they're all sort of, you're just doing it for the love. Are you finding that or are you still getting budgets for what you're doing for these It depends. Clips? It varies. And it depends how quick you get through it. You want to try and base it on an hourly rate, but they never normally have that. But if I'm... If they know me and they know what I do, I normally balance it so it, I get the rate what so, I want. So for, for commercials, you normally be on an hourly rate. Hourly, for a music yeah. video, it could be this is the money we've got for this. Yeah, and More you try and a, get through yeah. it as quick as possible. Yeah. And sometimes, see, if it's a good video, it always looks good in the reel. Yes. And if, it, if you really make it good, and that's the only reason you want to do that, because you want it good for your reel. Yeah. It could be a very famous artist, but regardless, when it looks good in your reel, it says a lot. Katy Perry. Katy Perry, Beyonce, anything. We've got Beyonce up at the moment. Yes, yes, you know, that's so good. Any, anything important in your reel that looks good, that, you know, I, I work with, uh, there's this one artist called Tyler the Creator. I don't really know who he is, but because the, I'm old. The kids but my do. kids do. Yeah. You know, my kids are in their uh, early 20s. A lot of people know him. He's very well known. He comes here, he likes what we do. We sit and collaborate. He generally directs it. You know, he has people around him that shoot it and will help him direct, but he says, has the final say. He likes what I do, and we get there, and he, anything that's difficult, he knows that I can do it, so he likes that. Touch wood, he'll keep coming back. You know, but I don't know why he wants to work with an old fart like me, except for the fact that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so that is the point. <laughs> So I do have a lot of people, and that looks good on my reel, and they say, oh, you know Tyler? I'm like, yeah, I know him, and there's a bunch of guys like that. So, But he is one that is very unique, because he is very well known. Fantastic. In this day and age. I think yeah. he was up for a Grammy on his last, um, uh, his last song that we did the video for. Really? We've been doing a few, but he, it was, I can't, I can't remember the name of it, actually. Uh, Who That Boy? That's what he's called. <laughs> Who That Boy? Yeah, you should check it out. I oh, will check it out. Yeah, he's yeah, got I a mask on. He's got a, we'll, uh, we'll put no, we'll put it in we'll put it in the show notes. The link. Yeah. So no, let's let's just have a walk down the street there, and we'll just see what it's like. Uh, just hang out in Venice. Yeah, for let's a go and have bit. a beer down on the beach. Well, let's go and have a look. All right. Yeah. Thanks for showing me the room, Clark. It's great. The International Colorist Academy has been around for 10 years. We won classroom training at different locations around the world. So not only do you learn from instructor, you learn from other people in the room, such as HDR, ASUS, advanced software, looks and designs. So take your grading forward and take an ICA class, iColorist.com. Hey, you missed London, you think you could go back and work there? Nah. I mean, I won't mind having the place there, you know, and I'm going to talk to someone about that. There's a Porsche with two mountain bikes in the back. There you go. You, you know the binoculars yeah. building? See them from here. Or on, over there. Oh, yeah. No, 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 that yeah. one there. Oh, yeah, that one, yeah. Yeah, the binoculars. Have yeah. you seen that? Do you want to walk oh, up yeah. and take a picture? That is Venice. Would you say you're inspired by working in a place like this, which is like a sort of an arty place? There's obviously a lot of competition in LA generally in being a colorist. There is what we would perceive to be some big name people working in this town. 
Do you like that sort of competition of doing jobs? Yeah, yeah it's very, I think competition is important. It makes you better. It makes you better as a colorist. If you have to compete with, say, the likes of Dave Hussey or uh, Stefan Sonnenfeld or Adam Scott or Mark Geffen, it makes you better. Yeah. It can only be better for you. Now, you worked at the Company 3, which they are a colour icon in most people's eyes. Probably yeah. especially to maybe probably people outside of the US who hold them up as a, a definite benchmark in colour correction. What's it like working there? Um, you know, it's, it's got a very good reputation for colour. Um, for me, I spent two years there. I was under contract. I could have stayed, but I wanted to go and do my thing, you know, which is this. I wanted to have something that was unique. It's very uh, rare for an individual like myself to branch out on their own, but I had to do it really. So I, I spent two years there and moved on. They wanted me to stay, but I actually told Stefan that, no, you know, I've got to go and do my thing. So that was, that was all there was to it really. You know, once you've worked the contract, you can leave. I could, I could always go back there, I suppose, if they want me, you know, but um, I'm doing my thing. Yeah, I suppose it's you know it's more freedom. You you found you were working more hours when you were there than what you do now. Was it no silly no hours no or? no? I'm working much more now. Right, much more. Yeah, but of course, running the business, I have to be here anyway. Yeah, well that's true. That's the yeah. difference, I suppose. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think working here on Venice, you, you do as I say, you do have influences and. The fact that I could be working and then say, you know what, I'm just taking a break and go and walk on the beach. That does clear your mind if, you've, if you're in a heavy session. Yes. You know, and that's good. And we can do that. Sometimes we walk down with the clients. Yeah, I'm a big one for that as well. Yeah. yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. I think it's a nice thing just to have that break. There's a man riding two scooters. Oh yeah, no, he's one of the guys. I think that uh, oh, we collect be. them. They yeah, collect because them. they are just leaving them everywhere. Aren't yeah, exactly. It's like just saying the Clark. There's these electric scooters everywhere. They're called, I think they're called birds. And last time I was here, I didn't see one. They've obviously moved in since last time I was here, yeah. and they are literally everywhere. Surfers, mate. Surfers. It's it's, uh, it's a mixture of everything here, isn't it? Yeah. It's, good. yeah. It's, uh, it's certainly the good people watching spot. Oh, it's great. You, have you walked down to where the crazies are? Yeah. 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 So what's this place, Clark? This is your local? Yeah, this is a Venice Ale House. Uh, they do a good uh, brunch and lunch. They don't really come in the evening when it's dark, but we, I was in here the other day for a beer. Very loud inside. Yeah. The music is extremely loud, so, uh, but there's lots of places down here to have a drink. Just for reference, we have uh, Firestone 805 we are drinking. It is lunchtime, so uh, we'll only be having one of these, but it's a very nice drop. Now, Clark, the big differences from you between grading film and digital and the different digital cameras. What are your thoughts on that? Um, mostly I see Alexa, I do see red. Red's always a bit strange, I find. Uh, the Alexa ProRes is, I find, is always better. Um, film, of course, is very different. Pull it around a bit more. It has its own uh, little things that happen within the film, you know, you know, depending on what kind of stock it is, you know. 
grainy, not grainy, and so on. Backtrack, did you always cut negative here for commercials? Yeah, here. Because in London we didn't always cut neg, I know, and sometimes in Australia we didn't always. Yeah. So we'd have 10 rolls of film and we'd have a list of paper, we'd have yeah. to load each reel, spin yeah. it, grade yeah. the shot, yeah. spin the next reel, grade the shot, and yeah. by the end of the day you sort of hoped it all matched. Well, yeah, um, we used to do that, yeah, and we had a list and a bit of paper with some burnt in numbers, but then, um, I can't remember the name of the company. It was an Australian firm. They used yeah. to work in London. I remember like Andrea working it was like at like Neg Match or something, wasn't it? Or yeah, it was match like, or something. Yeah, double yeah. negative or something, something, something yes. like that. And then they started cutting neg. On the bigger jobs, it was worth it because then it could just be graded. A bit like Selects now when you're doing a when you're doing a conform and you, you do it's a bit like that. Yeah. So, similar idea, but um, yeah, if you ever had to go to the neg, they used to put. Um, Splices where the shot was. Yeah. So they cut the neck, put the, a bit of leader in there, and then, uh, then at least you could reference it. Thank you. That's nice. Thank you. And and you were talking to me earlier, uh, Mike. You know, you've been doing a bit of teaching. How'd you find that? Oh yeah, no, I do like that. Uh, I teach at USC in the film school. It's only uh, three hours a week, starting in August, and I'll run it to the end of uh, semester, which will be December sometime. What it is, it's just basically giving the film students a, a insight into colour correction. They won't be colourists at the end of the day. It takes you a lot longer than three hours a week for yeah. eight weeks or ten weeks. But they're probably a combination of wanting to be DPs or... Oh yeah, yeah, directors, DPs, producers, yeah, but it is in the film school and it's part of the syllabus. So, uh, yeah, I do that and I teach them, you know, and they're pretty good. I like it. So, these questions are... I normally talk, ask these to... Uh, sorry. So I'm going to be asking these questions to everybody. In your colour correction career, have you got a highlight, which is like a job you're really proud of, or you got paid a shed load of money for, and have you also got like a, a low moment, when something went wrong, something broke, client stormed off, like your high in your low moment in your right. career? Okay. Uh, high moment, I mean, I've had a lot of highs, I must admit, uh, whether I like the client, whether I like the job. I mean, I've done a lot of jobs over the years. Um, one of the high moments, I did this, uh, it was an art installation, and, and this is why it's a high moment, because it wasn't a normal commercial or uh, music video, what have you. It, it was an art installation. I did a film for an art installation. It's called, um, the first one was called Ashes and Snow, and it opened in New York, and it was a big deal. It was uh, built on pier. 54 out of shipping containers and they did the second one here in LA uh, on the beach just in Santa Monica and again it's a big star-studded uh, premiere opening plus it was just a great film really lovely it was art it was true art and it was with animals and stuff so that was a high spot of my career, but of course it was something different. Yeah. And I went to New York and set it up, went for the party, saved me and made sure it all looked good. And it was good. It was a great project to be associated with. I got a credit, and um, 
It's always good when you go to a screening and it looks good. Yeah. And it looks yeah. something like uh, what you remember. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've often been to a few where I've actually taken my own cushion that I could hide behind. Yeah. Uh, just in case it wasn't quite our Sometimes, yeah. Touchwood, you know, it is a bit of a challenge, but if you get everything calibrated right, we certainly can do it. Yeah. And it is so much more pleasing when you go to the screening with all the people and you look at it and you go, wow, yeah, I'm proud of that. Not always, but, and it's especially hard now, there's so many different devices and ways we're viewing things. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great thing. Yeah, when it all works, it's great. And when it doesn't work, then it's like, oh, oh dear, never mind. So what's your, what's your low moment? Well, I, I, I can't remember low moments. I mean, I've got into arguments with people. Sometimes they might want to get physical. But since I've had a lot of uh, martial arts training, I kind of like it. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna get onto that. So, did is that what you do when you're not colouring? Are you still no, are you still fighting or not anymore? No, no, no. I stopped that because uh, just uh, I've done it for many, many years. But uh, I'm gonna start up again. I just like it. I've always liked it since I was a little kid. So. Um, you know, I just want to get back into it. I'm, now I'm old, I need to just do one final thing and then I'll be good. You know? I think that's the way I see it. Um, but yeah, I, I do like martial arts. Uh, all styles of martial arts. I don't really like MMA because it's not really a craft, it's just beating up on the guys. So, Suenda, what's next for Incendio? Have you any more? plans to expand it to go somewhere else oh, or yeah. just going to carry on the same oh no i like where we are at the moment with i'm talking well i'm thinking about doing something else within it but I, I won't do it here i'll do it in a separate building because being on the beach is very expensive and you know at some point you've got to have you know this could be the flagship and then yeah. have another satellite inland a bit cheaper yeah. uh, adding a few more uh, services and that's what i'm thinking about doing this will be we're starting our eighth year at the end of may we would have closed seven years so um yeah i mean uh yeah that's what that's what my thought is anyway for now maybe next week it will change all right all right well, Clark, well thanks for chatting it's been really good Thank you. Where can people find you? Where Incendio website? Is that the yes. Place? Uh, Incendio, I N C C E N D I O dot TV. That's our website. And um, yeah, have a look. See what you think. Great. All you right, know. buddy. All right. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for joining the color yeah. tour. Get, get this. Yeah, there you go. Ching, ching. Cheers. See ya. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can get more information about our training at iColorist.com or you can subscribe to the podcast through your normal podcast providers.